Hello, I'm Sam Clement, and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today, we're joined by actor, voiceover artist, and writer Rebecca Callard. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, I love the way you said my name. <laughs> Callard. <laughs> That's how Americans say my name. Oh. It's actually Callard. Callard. But I, I like your sort of Californian way of saying it. It's, it's sort of California by way of the West Country. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Bristol born and bred and the R's in particular. It's very easy to slip into a, a, a nice Bristolian R. Thank you so much for doing this, Rebecca. Thank you for asking me. Uh, recording here in a, in, a, in a cinema. It feels appropriate yes. uh, for, for the subject the of church, this podcast. The church. We're in the church. We are <laughs> the, the church of film. We've got to know each other over the years through our love of cinema. Yes, and we have. I'm glad we now get to talk about a film together. Yeah, that's really exciting. For the audience, they may know you from things you've done on telly and bits of film, like The Detectorists. Yes. Do you get lots of people coming up and sort of talking to you about Detectorists? Yes. Detectorist fans are also the nicest people in the world which is quite a, a broad statement. <laughs> it's got a, a, a lovely following. It's you know, a small following, but more people like it than, than you think, and it will it will just pop up. Somebody will say to me, "Are you were you in The Detectorist? It's actually called Detectorist, but I, I don't know why I still say The Detectorist. But, oh, yeah, it's um, weird. I just added that in. It totally, um, yeah, it feels like it should be The Detectorist. Yeah. Not that I want to give Mackenzie Crook any notes because he's written such <laughs> a beautiful series. <laughs> I was such a I was a, a huge fan of Detectors. I was working with Mackenzie. We were doing a drama and we were in the car together and the first episode had been on the night before and I said to him, "Oh my god, that show is just incredible." And he was like, "Oh, that's he's a very humble person and he was quite shocked that I'd watched it." And all the other actors that were in the car were like, "What's the show? What's the show?" And so I was quite fangirly about it. So to be asked to do because I came into it in the Christmas special and so just to be asked to do that was such an exciting thing for me because I, I really loved it. So it was a bit like winning a competition. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so trying to sort of style it out with Toby Jones and pretend that I was almost an equal to him. He's one of the greatest actors. He's and one of my favourite actors. So it was just ace in every way. I mean, and then you, to come back for series three. I mean, that's incredible. You came in for the one-off, but you actually stayed for a whole series. Yeah. They must have had an element missing. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely didn't. Yeah, it was it was fun and it was just a lovely job and just really nice people. Did Mackenzie Crook direct as well? Yes. Oh wow, what's he like as a director? He is he's chilled. He sort of lets you get on with it, but if he gives you a note, you know that it's absolutely integral. <laughs> and so the pressure of then sort of coming up with that that note. I think I had one line that I oh, he's sort of really in, wanted me to say it in a certain way and the more I sort of overcomplicated it the worse it got <laughs> but yeah he's uh he sort of nips in and out of scenes because he's sort of in scenes so he'll sort of look at it from a director's perspective but he's he's just a very quiet humble man and and that's how he directs as well which I think it comes across in in the show it's just such a peaceful pure show and and that's kind of how he sort of approaches it. I think that's why audiences, it really connects with audiences. I guess joining something that's been going for a couple of series and people have 
you know the characters coming into it yeah. the audiences maybe know what to expect from it and I guess that experience for you as an actor must be quite different to if you go to a film and everything's the first time yeah because a couple of years ago we we worked together on the film Orthodox we did some Q&A's at some cinemas yeah. which was really really fun but that was a proper like British independent film yeah I guess with that it's it must be quite a different experience you're you're shaping the character at the very beginning of the process with, yeah with you had an amazing cast as well Michael Smiley Stephen yeah. Graham yeah. very different uh, end of the spectrum to Detectorists uh, Orthodox yeah. is quite a hard film it, yeah it, it can be hard to come into something later because everyone knows each other but for, for me I was more intimidated because as I said I was quite a big fan of the show anyway so I was just like, oh, wow, I'm actually here and I'm actually in it. And I remember with the Christmas special, I didn't sleep at all the night before. And I did both my scenes that are in the Christmas special on one day. And also, I just think Toby is so good. It's trying to match him mm. and to know that I've done quite a lot of acting. So I probably could, you know, certainly <laughs> I am in a scene with him. It's OK. You're here. Like, there's a reason why you've got here. But to try and sort of match him when he's just... He's just such a brilliant actor. I think that there'll be a certain generation of people who remember The Borrowers that was on TV. Is that something that people also come up to you about, people about my age, <laughs> who maybe watched it a lot on telly? I get The Borrowers more than I get anything, which is weird because it, it was 30 years ago, let's oh, see. Wow. No, 27 years ago. And I get that more than anything. And I, sometimes I was doing a job, a theatre job with an actor who was probably about 10 years younger than me. And we were about five months into the job. And then one day I just, I, I must have looked at him in a certain way or did something in a certain way. And he was like, oh my God, were you Arietti? <laughs> and he was like, oh, I had a crush on you. This is so weird. And it just takes, I think, like a certain look and then they're, they're back there. But yeah, it's it's the thing I get recognised for the most, which kind of makes me feel like my career's a bit of a joke. Because <laughs> all, all this stuff that I've done, and it's always back to the borrowers. But it was... It was huge at the time, mm. the special effects that they were employing and stuff. I mean, I, I certainly remember having a conversation that the only thing that would had been similar was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, there was, like um, there was like a, a lot of films that played with scale yes. <laughs> at that time and, and TV shows. And, yeah. and I think it was quite an in thing in the early yeah. 90s. <laughs> I think we had like one droplet of water, which cost a fortune or something like that, you know, because it was a big droplet of water, obviously. Mm -hmm. But most of the stuff we did, we did a lot of blue screen, it was called then, loads of stuff on the big sets. So mm. we did like, we'd do like a like three weeks on blue screen and then all the stuff with the sets. But it was just, for me, just watching Ian home on set was one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. I think the cast is incredible. Yeah. Uh, Penelope Walton as well. And yeah. And then you've got people like Judy Parfit was is in it, who's an amazing actor. And yeah, there's a couple. Uh, Gemma Jones was in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's it, was, a... it was an amazing time. Uh, I sort of, you know, I was 17. I didn't really appreciate it. <laughs> as I would now. I think I, I just watched it because it was on TV a lot. And then, and then it should be on Netflix now. I, I'm not sure why it's not. Like, yeah. it should be available because I think like the age I was when I was watching it, I think kids now would really enjoy it. Yeah. yeah so Although I've tried to get my kids to watch it and they're not that bothered by it, really. Do you ever sort of try and show your kids your work or are, are they interested or they're like, oh, I don't want to see stuff with mum in? Uh, they watch Detectorists and I guess they are at an age where irony isn't... Well, maybe my 13-year-old has now, but I, they, I didn't quite get the pace of it, I think. Right. I'm trying to think what they've watched that they... They're not really interested, to be honest. They're more interested in, well, they like to shout out when they hear my voice on the radio and stuff. 
<laughs> I think the thing they've been most interested in is I voiced a documentary about Greg's. Oh, Greg's more than meets the pie. More than meets the pie. I really enjoyed watching that show. I have to admit. <laughs> how have you even? How do you even know about that show? We 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 just we watched it on Sky. I think it was on Sky, and because and we of were me, living Sam, in West Nord, and uh, yeah, it was. And I'm a big fan of Greg's. Yes. <laughs> have you tried their vegan? Are we allowed to talk about? Let's do it. Let's try and get a delivery of vegan <laughs> sausage rolls. Uh, I re- I think they're really good. They're really nice, um, aren't they? I, I had to. I've, 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 when they first were announced, it was really hard to get them. It was like you yeah. know, Furbies or Tamagotchis or something. You, know, you just couldn't, couldn't get them. Uh, so after a few days, like, the, 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 it all died down and you were able to actually buy them. And I had to stop myself from like, oh, I want 10, just in case you yeah. never have any anymore. <laughs> yeah. I went to, I had my, I think I had my first one in Orpington and they, they, were, they were getting them after. Sort of, so West Norwood had already got them. And then Orpington were like, oh, we're getting them on Thursday. And I was like, I'll be back on Thursday. And yeah, there was quite a lot in the shop, actually. I think it had died down. It wasn't like, a, like an iPhone launch of the queue outside. <laughs> no. People were, people could just rock up and get them. But I think I think they're really delicious. So maybe maybe a series two all about the vegan baking what revolution. What could we call it with the pun? Uh, come on, Sammy, you can come up with a pun uh, for that. I, it would, it would, the first one is so good. <laughs> like It could just be called like Greg's the Dock, but Modern Meets the Pie is magnificent. Isn't That's it? a take the rest of the day off the it really title is, decision. Isn't it? I hope that person has retired now. <laughs> and just living off of vegan sausage rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I think they they I think they wanted me to do that because of the way I said donuts. <laughs> that was that was basically why I got the gig. Did you get any free Greg's? No. This is an outrage. It, Did you isn't not go it just... into the Greg's in West Nord and like, do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> From Greg's to <laughs> This podcast. So, <laughs> so I know you're a big film fan, and yeah. it's been so much fun to talk to you about films over over the years. We've we've known each other. When I asked you to do this podcast, and specifically with a film under a certain runtime, what went through your mind? I think what went through my mind initially was that I sort of there's someone on your podcast saying that they liked, or maybe they were saying that they liked comedy that was shorter but I really like long films because I really like to indulge Mm -hmm. myself and sit in a cinema for hours and sort of especially since I've had kids I think that well I used to come to the baby screens Mm. but once you've got kids like the the luxury of cinema just goes and so I would sneak away to come and see films like it was some dirty secret and so I really like long films so I was immediately in my head I was like oh I don't know how I would how I would approach that. And I think I thought of one straight away, but someone had already taken it. And then I I came straight to Monster, really. A mother battles her son's fear of a monster lurking in the closet, but soon discovers a sinister presence all around her. It's worth pointing out that this film is only 10 minutes long. Is it even <laughs> so 10 minutes? The, Isn't it like uh, eight and a half? Oh, yeah, it might be, actually. It's, it's, it could be hovering around that... Uh, that sort of mark. It's it's easily the shortest film in the festival, and it is a legitimate short film. Often, we've never specified when we've asked people, oh, it has to be a long feature. Like, we were always thinking it'd be nice to have a mix of shorts and, and features and everything, but so far, every guest has gone straight for the features. Ah. So you've broken the seal <sighs> on shorts, which is, which is fantastic. So this is a, well, probably about nine-minute-long short film directed by Jennifer Kent, who is now better known for a feature director as, as uh, The Babadook, and she has a new film out this year called The Nightingale. Jennifer Kent sort of lived the dream, I think. She is a, was an actor. She was in mm-hmm. Babe 2, Pig in the City. Mm-hmm. She's done a whole bunch of production jobs, worked on uh, films with Lars von Trier and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And, and this is her 
going, actually, I want to become a director, and mm. she's written and directed this film, which toured the film festivals at the time. It played at 50 film festivals, wow. took it all around the world, and then it enabled her to go on to a development course and write to the Babadook, get the funding for the Babadook, and, and that became such a huge hit. Yeah. Were you aware of this film at the time it was released, or have you discovered it sort of more recently? No, so I went to see the Babadook, and then I went home and watched Monster. I don't really want to focus on the Babadook, but you can't you can't help it really, can you? I just loved it so much. Mm. I would definitely say it's one of my top films now. And so I just wanted to find out everything about her. And obviously that's the first thing that comes up. I think it's nice uh, when, because you, you often sort of hear the story that the short is a test for a feature yeah. or the short is it's the first scene or something from a, from yeah. a film I want to go on and do. And, and I really like when, when filmmakers do that and they, they make the short available. Some people yeah. want to bury the short, <laughs> yeah, yeah. never to be seen. But this is even on the DVD for The Babadook and it's actually quite a good sort of package if you watch the film first and then you can see this to sort of see the... Because it's not a lot. It's it's about nine minutes of cinema. Mm. And the Babadook is, is almost two hours long, I think. So yeah. like, they, they've really built out the universe. But I think it's got the core sort of essence in there. Definitely. And she did quite a lot of stuff in between, didn't she? Them. It wasn't... Is this 2005, I think it yeah, was? Yeah. Which I find interesting because it was... I had my first son in 2006. So for me, the reason that I chose this film, and I think the reason why... I love the Babadook, but I chose this film is that it it's like nine minutes of my life <laughs> being inside my head, which might make me sound more sinister than I am, but it's just like really well captured sort of darkness and fear and i th- i saw I saw Jennifer Kent talking about you know what a lot how a lot of women responded to Monster and the Babadook in in the that sort of like not being a perfect mum. Mm and she got so much feedback about that and i and for me when i ha- when i had my children i that ideal of being a perfect mum and this film sort of says oh no it's okay for you not to be i mean it's not okay for you to do what she did in the babadook obviously but i think it's <laughs> i think there are some themes in there that uh, there's insomnia in there which i ha- i struggle with and 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 living with your anxieties and facing them is the big key theme I think Mm. certainly from my perspective and that's I really identify with it I always say when people say to me what character in a film do you most identify with and I always say Essie Davis in The Babadook which makes people want to not be friends with me (laughs) and you really get that in those nine minutes Mm. I love as well because I love old movies and I love the way it's it's the you know it's black and white and I love the way yeah it's really lovely isn't it because I watched it with my 11 year old yesterday he actually couldn't watch the sort of scary bits because they're genuinely scary as well I think because Jennifer Kent doesn't isn't really interested in cheap scares no which cheap scares get me and the opposite of that gets me too as well and I think somebody was on one of your podcasts saying about horror how they can't take horror seriously or for me horror is the only genre that I really I really fall for. Samuel! That is enough. I threw it in there. It's just a doll. No, it isn't! It's real! Well, two things which have resonated with me, like how in less than you know, under 10 minutes, nine minutes long, Jennifer Kent creates a realistic fan- a family dynamic. Yeah. And it's so well cast. And 
just so well played. Like there isn't a lot of dialogue between the the mother and son, but no. you see them at sort of quite key points throughout the sort of day. Like the kid is playing, he's dressed up like a knight and he's stabbing yeah. this doll. And then you see bath time and, and, and I, the mum's sort of like paying attention to him, but she's obviously got a lot on her mind as well. Yeah. And I sort of like that. I think the bath scene is amazing. Yeah, uh, it's just one shot, and they're sort of facing opposite ends mm. of the bathroom, and but she's at his level. And I think she sort of says quite a lot, really. She's sort of keeping an eye on him, but there's other stuff going on in her brain. She's got a really expressive yeah, face. she's disengaged from him, isn't she? I love the opening sound as well. I think the opening sound is the cat, but mm. it sounds like it's the child. And then later on, when I think when he's in the bath, there's a sound that sounds like a cat, but it is the son, and so, sort of playing with your paranoias and your the fact that she's obviously got insomnia and sort of she's zoning out and stuff and, and finding him quite irritating. But I love the way that the noises and the sound sort of plays on that and it sort of makes makes you feel quite anxious. And mm. those sounds that come to her sort of really make her jump. That's that's what the jumps are in it. I, I like that. And the, and the things that do scare you in it are really scary, which is, I was, I was saying, my my son couldn't watch those bits. But he did say to me there's a bit where... There, she's reading to him. I love the way she's sort of reading the story as well. It's a bit monotonous and like, oh, let me just read you the story. And then um, something happens and he says, go on, mum. And my son thought that he was saying for her to go and confront the baddie. And I said to him, oh, no, 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 she's saying carry on reading. And then we watched the scene together again and completely different perspectives. He was like, no, she's defi- he's definitely telling her to go and sort out the Babadook. My son hasn't seen the Babadook, <laughs> I hasten to add, but he, my boys are a bit obsessed with sort of horror films and what happens in horror films and me telling them when I come home what's happened in a horror film to try and decipher whether or not they would find that scary because they're not at the age yet where they're allowed to see them. Mm. So they sort of ask me lots of questions and they know the story of the Babadook. So he was referring to the character in Monster as the Babadook. That's interesting that he saw it as something completely different to me. I'd like to ask Jennifer Kent what she meant. Yeah, it's also interesting how I mean you're you're watching it in a similar dynamic to the characters in the film. Yeah. So it sort of makes total sense that he's identifying with the boy and yeah. you're identifying more with the mother. That's the joy of this film. I think what you I love that they've built a world in such a short time and I think that's why I sort of do the podcast. I quite like seeing what filmmakers do with a limited amount of screen time. Yes. And you can create a very rich world in nine minutes. It's possible. Yeah. And and no budget as well. Short films everyone's just mucking in. It's there's you know, very very rarely any money and and it's just everyone's doing it because they love it and they love film and they want to and they want to make it and there's you know a reason why I really like the way she's dressed the costume and stuff it's sort of timeless because my my son I'm just not going to sit here going on about my son but he said oh is it an old film and I think you know she obviously likes the haunting and Carnival of Souls is it called and and whatever happened to baby Jane-ness about it with the costume and the the actress's hair and stuff like that it's a very classical sort of look to it yeah Yeah. absolutely right and I think it's Susan Pryor who plays the mum Mm. And I really wish she was in the Babadook as well. Yeah, because <laughs> she's so good. She's but she, great. But she is a she's like she's got a really great CV on IMDb, and she's consistently working. But yeah, I just would have loved to see her reteam with Jennifer Kent. But I think she again, like she's, I think she really lives this character, which which is great. And you're right, the the anxiety was something that 
was why I was so hooked on this film and why I think the scares are so effective. It's quite claustrophobic with the black and white photography. I was yeah. wondering for a while, like, is it just a practical thing? It's in black and white. Is it for budget reasons? As you say, there's probably a very, very low budget behind mm. this film. Or is it actually because it creates more of an atmosphere or, or is it a bit of both? I actually jumped <laughs> watching this. Yes. I was like so cocky watching this film. I was like, it's only nine minutes. Yeah. Be nice. <laughs> All right, let's do it. And then two minutes in, I was sort of like gripping the chair. And then I think there's, there's, there's two scenes for me where you start to see the monster. Initially, you see the doll and the boy is sort of like fighting the doll and they put the doll under the stairs. And then later on in the film, the doll emerges as a, as a full grown monster. Yeah. But how it's introduced, it, it's sort of there's this really like sped up photography of it flying up the stairs. Yeah. And it's quite an easy effect in terms of there's no computers or anything involved or puppets. It's just speeding up someone walking up the stairs. Yeah. It, it really works. It really does, <laughs> doesn't it? And that first shot of him when she she's in the cupboard and she sort of goes, is there something there? And then you can just see his eyes or his yes. teeth or something like that. It is genuinely scary and it is sort of like quite 1930s horror that sped up bit, isn't it? Which But they're sort of, they're not, they didn't reveal the monster straight away and no. then it also lowers your expectations because first of all, it's a doll. Yeah. You're like, I'm not scared of a doll. Although dolls can be scary. Let's look at Chucky and Annabelle. But then and it goes away and then actually, yeah, seeing from, it, it felt a bit like a David Lynch sort of flourish. Like, yeah, she really likes David Lynch, Jennifer Kent. I was thinking of the sort of the trash monster in um, Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Because it's got that sort of raggedy, sort of look to it like mm. big hair and a big coat or, or something yeah but just starting on the eyes it's so unlike any of the other sort of filmmaking language in the film because mm. it's quite domestic looking and yeah. it could almost be you know like a drama and then you see this close-up of this like quite spooky eye <laughs> yeah well it's all set within the flat isn't it and mm. often it's to contain that domestic sort of oppression isn't it of the mother and and how everything's getting on top of her and those brilliant shots of the bubbling whatever that bubbling uh, yeah. sort and of it, it looks goes. like ink or something <laughs> yeah. and it's and then I love the way she plays with the idea of like, there's a plate that she hasn't put away, which, you know, could allude to her depression or, you know, just not being able to cope with it all. And there's a plate which has got food on it and then it's got beetles and stuff like mm. that in it. But is that real or is that what the character of the mother sort of feels like her life is getting like? It's, it's, it is really clever and complex. Because it's it's maybe five or six minutes of the runtime is building up to mm. this. It actually it has a climactic battle. It has a, mm. a third act sort of scene where the mother stands up to the monster when it sort of bursts into the the child's room. What what do you make of of that scene? Well, I definitely think that is her facing her fear, her anxiety, and shrinking it. I love the Babadook. I love the end. And I know some people have got problems with the end of it, mm. but I really didn't. I, as I say, being an insomniac and, and, you know, sort of being full of worry sometimes, that living with that worry in, inside your closet, that, that there's always there, like a thorn in your side and you're always trying to go about your business and stuff. And the fact that she sort of, she shrinks, the, she faces it, she shrinks it, mm. and then she keeps it in a cupboard because it won't ever go away. Mm. But if she gives it a glass of milk, yes. <laughs> she's being nice to it as well. And it's like sort of nodding to your anxiety and to your fears, but also sort of trying to contain it. But it never going away. I love the idea that it's it's still within her house mm. because it's still within her and her son. Yeah, I thought it was a wonderful ending, that little sort of coda with the, the glass of milk because they have the, it builds up to the monster breaking into the child's room and then her having a showdown. And I love also that the monster didn't do anything horrific. It didn't yeah. like tear things apart or hurt her or stab her or anything. It was actually mm. just a face-off and she could shout at it, mm. which is so unlike the rest of the film, it's quite quiet. And it took me back like, oh, wow, you're doing this and you're just facing it head on. Mm. It's fantastic. And it's responding. 
you know, it's, it's towering over her mm. <laughs> and she manages to get it back into the stairs. And I, I love that she didn't kill it, yeah. you know, and it doesn't just vanish. Yeah, but it goes you back into a place where they all know where it is. Yeah. We know where it is as the film. We know the flat well enough at that point. But yeah, then just, just a glass of milk and acknowledging it's still there is yeah. wonderful. And even that glove, which could be a bit hammy, is, mm. is still scary, isn't it? And I think the actress is really good because she says... She says a line where she first confronts it and she sort of goes to be strong with it and then she pulls back on the line. I can't remember what the line is, which is good for the podcast. <laughs> she sort of goes goes guns and then sort of draw, draws back from that. It's, it's a really lovely performance, actually. And then she sort of, then once she's got the strength to continue doing it, she gets emboldened by her own bravery. It's really, really good. Leave him alone. Get back to your room. If you come back here without my permission, I'll kill you. Do you understand? After seeing this film, do you have a newfound respect for the Babadook? Yeah, well, definitely. Sort of, well, just like, just things like budget and stuff like that. And I, and I know she didn't. I saw her talking about how she didn't know whether she'd got the full budget even when they were shooting, because mm. I think half of it was Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, it was. It was to build the sets and the Babadook. Yeah, I, I think she raised thirty thousand dollars so they could finish building the sets, and that's wow. was during production. Everything's lined up and they realise yeah. they're short on budget for a certain area. I mean, that must have been really stressful, mm. which probably is why the film makes you feel so stressed. I do think that they're, they're so, so similar, but obviously, you know, you've got so much more mm. room to, to work with that feeling of anxiety. And I think the mother is much more terrifying because they've got that time to, to lay that foundation as well. But I do... I love the shift in the Babadook where you think, you know, the she is looking after the boy and then the boy starts to look after her and it's yeah. actually all about her demise and her sort of mental strength when you think it's about his. And and the way the insomnia is dealt with in the Babadook is is perfect because that is what insomnia is like. Her sort of getting up in the morning feeling in, I mean, obviously, but um, feeling in no way that she's, refreshed or replenished and she's just heading into the day and she's got this kind of like sort of hollowness behind her eyes and so you can get that within the film you just can't put that into nine minutes I've written a short film myself and it's so hard to sort of try and put things in and then it not be so laboured and mm. so spoon fed and and you've got that space within the Babadook that you can really sort of draw into whereas you just don't have time in a short film but I, 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 I love horror anyway. And as I was saying before, I horror is the one genre that despite doing it for many years, I, I totally believe it. Mm. And I do get really, really scared. Gory things, not so much, but things like Monster, the Babadook, sort of things about the mind and how you can drive yourself mad. And did you really see that? And, and paranormal stuff for me really gets me as well. Whereas sort of, you know, for example, I, I went to see Mandy with my partner and he was he found it really difficult all the sort of you know the violence mm. in it and that for me just nothing because I just don't believe it I know the art behind it I know about sort of all the work gone into it with prosthetics and stuff like that whereas 
I don't know why, but this kind of genre, the sort of, you know, it's the a mind bit more like stuff. character yeah. led. And, and I think, especially when you see how the, the sausage is made, when it when it comes to the gore and the prosthetics, it's quite fun. Yeah. During those days, you know, yeah. when, there's, when there's something in, something's going to, you know, blood's going to pour out, or you, you sort yeah. of see the, the, the movie magic. But I think this is, in this film, it's, it's about the writing and it's about the performance. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's why it works. And that's kind and of how I feel about horror as well. Like, I... I don't like watching horror films because I know I get really scared. Yeah. But I also think I have to put myself through it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm like as well. And I, it's sort of like some some dirty way of enjoying it as well. Yeah. Even though I, I do, my pa- my palms get really sweaty. And mm. and I spent, when I went to see Hereditary, I, I know some people didn't get scared by that at all. But I, I didn't sleep for weeks. I found it really scary. It just got into my head. I, I, I often think, why did I do it? Why am I here? Yeah. Why did I buy a ticket? Why, yeah. am I, why am I choosing to spend two hours on Saturday watching this? Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the film, it feels quite cathartic. Yeah. Like, oh, I've, I've been through that. <laughs> watching Monster and then we, on the DVD, there's lots of making of features which include sort of references to Monster. But they have lots of clips from the Babadook in and I'm not ready to watch the Babadook yet because I thought it was really scary. Have you not scary. seen it? I have. I, I watched it, it at the time, but, but I don't want to rewatch it. Not yet because I can still remember why it scared me yeah. and when it scared me and I want to forget that more so I can sort of go in and be surprised again I don't yeah. want to think oh it's coming there's a scene he's there yeah. and the creature design in this and in Babadook is is really like it's top notch <laughs> it's brilliant because it really plays with what you're frightened of when you're a kid and when you're older mm. all that stuff of you know you sort of seeing out of the corner of your eye as something that you know with me, I'm always drying sheets in my house and I'm always seeing them out of the corner of my eye and I'm like, is that a ghost? No, it's not. <laughs> and with Babadook, you've got, you know, the coats and the hats and, you know, you just think, is that what it? I think it is? And then you look and it isn't. Well, in Babadook it is. Yeah, that's that's what's really scary. Though I, for me, the Babadook really did frighten me, but it was like the first hour was terrifying. And then I think the way she controls that fear at the end by shoving it in the seller for me I wasn't that frightened when I came out because I felt like I felt like she had con- because she'd contained her fear I, I felt like I could contain mine if you see what I mean that sounds really pretentious <laughs> <laughs> but it just I think it was it was well handled at the mm. end and often with horror you know something's going to come back mm. but that sort of living with her fear and looking after it and being able to to control it meant that I wasn't that scared when I got home. I think when you and a lot of the fear is not knowing, and when you understand what the monster is and how the character needs yeah. to control it, I think that's better than it just being oh, it's, it's died because <laughs> yeah. it could come back for a sequel or something. You know, but yeah. with this, it's like no, the character knows how to control it; she can live with it. And I think Jennifer Kent has said many, many times because Babadook was a huge hit that she would never make a sequel to it because yeah. that's not the point of the film. The point of the film is about controlling it. And yeah, yeah. They, they, it would just it would ruin the first film if they were to do a sequel. Absolutely. So I think that's why she's now doing you know a brand new original film, and she sort of yeah. turned down the studio offer to come and do Babadook two in Hollywood, even bigger and stuff. Yeah, um, it's that just would not what she's interested in. I, no, I wouldn't. I think I wouldn't go and see it. No, that would be it. it just wouldn't be right. No, I think it she wouldn't. has this great like indie aesthetic, and I also love that she's making films in Australia. We we rarely see films from Australia in this country. Yeah, and I think she's she's working on a global scale now and really championing filmmaking in Australia. Yeah, and I think she should carry on doing that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I like the way she talks about Jennifer Kent talks about balance as well. She doesn't, you know, a woman shot the the um, shot monster, but she's sort of, you know, she does champion women, but at the same time she's it's not exclusive she just wants to make the best things and she'll you know put the best people 
in it and she does talk about balance mm. and not about it all being just strictly women making things but there being a balance there the woman who shot it i think it's beautiful monster so there we have it monster is in the 90 minutes or less film festival thank you so much for putting it forward oh thank you for having me when we come to the real 90 minutes or less film festival we're going to present monster on a big screen to a packed audience mm-hmm. how would you like to sort of embellish your screening what would you add to a, a screening of this film to to enhance the movie well i think everyone has to wear monochrome which sounds like a bold a dress it? code nice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just i just want it to be in a small a small space really dark just an intimate setting i think glasses of milk for everybody on the glasses way out glasses of milk <laughs> under the chair though under in the, like yes, an exactly. oprah way yeah you've and got you... a glass of milk and you've got a glass of milk <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a top hat you've got that, a beetle uh, plate that, uh, sorry i'm gonna stop sorry sam <laughs> no this is the that's probably the from a, a production level that's the easiest screening we've had to put on at the festival Other people have had elaborate props and settings and things but i can do glasses of milk no problem but it, have you got monochrome clothes? Monochromatic? I well, I I will have to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that though. I think if the seats are all black and white as well, yeah. and actually if you take a picture with the audience, it's yeah. just like we're in a black and white photo. Oh yeah, <laughs> brilliant. And if you could invite a special guest to the screening, who would it be? Uh, the Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do the Babadook voice? Babadook, Babadook. That's that's too lifelike and a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> There we have it. Okay, so we'll have um, a black and white screening, Mm -hmm. glasses of milk, Mm -hmm. introduction from the real life Babadook, and then nine minutes of really fascinating and and impressive film. It's Jennifer Kent's first film, and I love everything she's. We can get Jennifer Kent uh, like it, as long as the Babadook, you know, doesn't have such a big rider. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we can afford to get Jennifer Kent in. <laughs> I've got to finish that thought, otherwise that will just be there forever. I'd like to wrestle her to the floor, and then you never. <laughs> <laughs> so people are going to watch you and Jennifer Kent wrestle. I'd like to wrestle her to the floor to give me a job. <laughs> that's that's the end of that thought, not just for shits and giggles. <laughs> I, I mean, interestingly, I think you have a similar background as well. Yeah. I'm sure you'll get on yeah. like a house on fire. I think so too. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd, be, I'd love to hear what Jennifer Kent's got to say about this film because because it's a short, there yeah. isn't so much press out there about it. Yeah. And even on like the DVD, she mentions it, but she doesn't really talk about Monster. So yeah, I would love like a, a thorough sort of Q&A about yeah. this film that maybe we could record and put out as a podcast because oh, there's yeah. no other podcast about it. No. <laughs> Brilliant. I would look forward to the screening. Thank you very much for, for choosing this film and, oh, thanks, uh, and for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Where can people hear more from you or see more from you on, on online or anything coming up that people can see you in? Well, I'm doing something next week, but I'm not allowed to talk about it, which is great when actors say that. Yeah. Isn't it? You don't think, oh, please shut up. And then I'm doing a short and then I'm writing a lot. Oh, it's really exciting as well. I can't wait to, to see the stuff that you're writing come, oh, to, come to fruition. Thank you. Who do we have to write to to get Greg's season two even more than meets the pie? Vegan more than meets the pie. <laughs> we'll start a Twitter campaign. <laughs> we'll crowdfund it. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and thank you, listeners, for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please do like, favourite, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Maybe leave us a review. We're an independent podcast and it really helps. We are also available on Spotify. You can contact us on at 90 Min Film Fest on Twitter and Instagram. And hey, 
we've made a website. It's got transcripts of the show and lots of pictures and all that good stuff. That's 90minfilmfest.com with a nine and a zero at the front of that. Uh, the show is produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. The show is edited by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick. And artwork is by Sam Gilby. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. just say welcome to my pod grotto first because i think you said that in the christmas one and i was like you've got to keep that <laughs> you've got you should say that every week <laughs> recording live at the pod grotto <laughs> <laughs>